Morning. Hey, it is so good to be back. If you don't know who I am, welcome. You're a visitor, and uh, we are so glad you're here. But uh, my name is Brian Bennett. I've been out for a couple weeks, but God has still been working and moving uh, here at Pathway. And if you're online with us, we are so glad uh, that you are tuning in as well. Let our hosts know that you are there. And uh, isn't it good to be in God's presence? I mean... It is so refreshing, and I got to tell you, like, to be back, uh, if you didn't know, if you're wondering, like, wasn't he the new guy? Like, why was he gone for a couple weeks, right? Uh, My family, between March and April, there's six of us, five of us got COVID. Thank you for your prayers, your support. And everything else. We are doing great. We're doing much, much better. And, uh, you know, we're on the other side of it by God's grace. And we felt your love and your encouragement. Uh, God is still, uh, you know, that's the thing. Like, he is bigger than any one of us. And, uh, you know, the lamp is on today. If you wonder, why is that random lamp there? You know, that, that light signifies that at least one person in the past week received Jesus through our ministries here at Pathway and Master's Academy. And so we celebrate that. Uh, If you're wondering what's going on with some of the other things, you know, over the last couple of months, I was on video twice, and some of you were worried about me because you were watching, if you're here in person, on this projector over here, and this projector needs help. I got a text from somebody that said, wow, your hair is completely white, and you look like you're on your deathbed. It was the quality of the projector, not what COVID was doing to me, okay? And uh, I just am here to tell you that, that God is moving even through our finances here at Pathway. Do you know over the last couple of weeks, we had two donors that came to us independently and anonymously and donated enough money to buy us new projectors? Isn't that incredible? God is so faithful and so good. He even cares about things like that, right? It's so awesome. And uh, so as we get into this today, to see our graduates up here, to think about how they are walking into a new season, into a new future. We're in a series called Walk With Me, and uh, you can turn with me uh, to Psalm 23. And uh, as we turn there, Uh, I actually want to ask, I'm going to read the first four verses. We're going to center in on verse four today, and I want to pray for us, but I want to ask, there's a tradition in the church historically of standing for the reading of God's word. And and here's the thing, when we walk with God, he is going to ask us to, to stand up for him, to walk with him to step out of our comfort zone. And today, I, I, the message title is Comfort Food. And we're going to talk about what is really meant to comfort us as we stand for the Lord and as we walk with him. And so will you stand as I read our text for today? <clears throat> in Psalm 23, in verse 1, it says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for how you reveal yourself, your heart, your character through your word. And Holy Spirit, I just ask, 
wherever we're at in the journey, wherever we're at in our walk, that you would meet us today, that you would be our comfort, our guide, that you would show us our next step, that we could follow you fully. So be with us now, and we thank you for your hand on Pathway and on each person that is present here as we respond to you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. I'd like to show you a picture. This is me. Uh, I I was a three-sport athlete. I loved football, basketball, and this was baseball. This was the closest I could find to a picture near graduation for Graduation Sunday. Uh, This is me. Camera quality back then was not as good. Uh, If you're on this side, I apologize. You may want to look over here. And uh, this picture shows you a guy who is getting ready to graduate, is going to leave home, is on, uh, on a new walk, a new journey, is excited, but also inside is uh, masking a lot of his insecurity and fear with this look that says, don't mess with me, okay? And, and, and so I, like many of you, had fears and insecurities, yet I knew there was this future ahead of me. And in, in, in my case, I, I left for the other side of the state. I, I grew up in Michigan, and uh, I left the east side of the state to go to the west side of the state for college. And uh, th- that meant that for the next four years, there were a lot of road trips. I was going to school about four hours uh, from where I grew up. And, uh, you know, for me, road trips, that journey, that, that trip, uh, I usually would find some comfort food. Anybody else have some comfort food that you turn to? Okay, uh, right? Like we get all the feels is what they call it these days. And then, and then we eat our feelings. Any, anybody else? Okay, no? Okay. Uh, it's not the healthiest, but we all probably have something we turn to with comfort food. And, and to this day, this started in college uh, on a road trip. Anything more than like a half day or a day, these are what I turn to. I'll pull into a gas station and I'll grab a bag of gummy bears, sweet, and a bag of combos, salty. This would be my comfort food on every trip. And uh, no joke, I still do that today if I'm on a long road trip. Um, So we build habits, right? And we have things we turn to. And as we look at Psalm 23, we have a psalmist, David, who's saying, listen, even though as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even as as I travel, even as I go on a road trip through a place that I don't necessarily want to go, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As we get into this and look at it, there's some things that stand out. The first is this, as far as comfort food, some things to chew on today, some real comfort, some real food. I'm going to give you some meat. You ready? First thing is comfort food. God prepares us for his present future. That our God is actually preparing us for a future that he's present in. A God who says, according to even what we just read, that, that I will be with you, that, that I want to walk with you. And God is constantly shaping and preparing us, not for a future that we are, are to create ourselves or to manufacture, but a future that he wants to be present in. That's good news for our graduates. It's also good news for us, amen? That everything you've been through, the experiences, the things you've gone through, good, bad, ugly, all of it. God can use those things to shape, refine, and prepare you for a future that he says, I don't waste anything. I don't make mistakes. The things you've been through, I want to be present and I want to use those in your next season. And and the thing about this is, 
as David is sharing this, valleys are a part of the trip. They're not the destination. And this is really good news, right? This means on one hand, I'm not comforting you, right? I'm, I'm telling you that there's going to be valleys in life, that there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be things that, that you and I go through. Life is not easy. Can I get an amen? But the thing that we see here is that those valleys are not meant to be a stop or a place that we get stuck. They're actually meant to be traveled through. Think of road tripping through a valley, that, that it's not the destination, that it's a part of the trip. The reality of the valley for sheep that were being led by a shepherd, if we go back to the context in the text, was that sheep, in moving through terrain, would be moved from one place to another by a shepherd that knew where he was leading them. He was good. He, he wanted to guide them. And in doing that, in going through a valley, that, that actually would provide them with a terrain that was a slow, gradual change, not one that was like this, but one that might have been like this. And, and to go through the valley meant the sheep would actually follow the shepherd and they would be together in that and he would guide them. When it talks in the text about the, the valley of the shadow of death, sheep don't see very well. Did you know the Bible calls us sheep? Anybody else get some cloudy vision at times, get distracted? get our eyes on other things, maybe allow our eyes to see things that cause fear and anxiety. You see, going through a valley wasn't just about the, the terrain, but they would have faced shadows, and the sheep couldn't see what was there, but the shepherd would know if there was bandits, if there was flash floods waiting. He knew where the dangers were, and he would guide them. That's exactly what our God wants to do, you know, with you and I. But there's something else about valleys. You see, valleys in life develop deep character with the Lord. They develop our relationship with God. They create a dependency that, that honestly, other things maybe can't. And, and so if you're in a valley today, or maybe God wants to make sense of a valley you've been through, part of that will be looking to him and saying, God, what did I learn through that? What were you teaching me in my relationship with you? How did you grow my character? How did you develop me? This psalm was written by, again, a man named David. David had grown up as a shepherd boy. He would later become a warrior and a king. God was developing him through all of those experiences. There's actually a moment in David's life where he's still quite young. His brothers are off to war, and he, he's actually told to, to go deliver some things to them. And so as he does that, he notices that in the valley that they're in, there's actually a Philistine army opposing them. And, and so here he sees his brothers and the army of Israel, and, and they're being opposed by these Philistines. But it's not just Philistines. There's one in particular, man, that many of you have heard of, even if you haven't been around the church, you've heard of the story probably of David and Goliath. It's a very famous story. And so there's this Philistine giant, Goliath, in the valley. And everyone is afraid of him. They're scared of him. 
But here's David, who doesn't have the right weapons, doesn't have the right armor, according to their standards. And yet in the valley, God had prepared him and shaped him to face that giant. His comfort was the fact that he had been through some things and saw God show up. And because of that, he knew that God was with him. And that if God was with him, come on church, we got some saints, who could be against us, right? That if God was with them, God was able. Let me read to you exactly what David said and how God had prepared him. Because again, God prepares us for the present future, this future that he has for us. 1 Samuel 17, verse 31 through 37 says this, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. Saul is the king and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, this giant. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are but a youth and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Can you, can you hear the confidence? This is a confidence because of what he had been prepared, what he had gone through in valleys. It was a God confidence. Verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Please understand that these valleys that you and I face and go through, maybe you're in one today, maybe you've been through one and you weren't sure what was happening. I know for me, right, the old saying, hindsight is 2020, can be so true. I want to encourage you to look back and look for God's presence and fingerprints. What was he doing in that valley? What's he doing in the valley you're facing today? How is he shaping you? How is he preparing you for his present future? God doesn't waste anything. Everything you're going through is for a reason and God will use it in the next battle and in the next season. Can I get an amen, church? God is able and always working and that should give us comfort. That should give us a sense of not being alone in it and that's the second point I wanna make today, that comfort food, chew on this, who is with you matters more than who is against you. That in fact, the reality of God's presence, God being with you, this is the thing we have to remember that it isn't us that an enemy is going to be afraid of. It's God with us. It isn't us that takes confidence in our abilities and our strength. It's us that takes confidence in the God who is with us and the people around us that also call on the name of the Lord. And this is why I get so excited. Like some of you, you've had bad experiences with church. It is okay to say amen. Okay? We're not going to be offended. You've had bad experiences with church because of people and sheep. 
Don't look at the sheep, look at the shepherd. Look at who he is. Look at his goodness, his mercy, his love. And then understand that part of the gift of being in the body of Christ in the church is the fact that he gives you new brothers and sisters. He gives you some new sheep to hang out with, some people that with God's presence with you, you're gonna begin to figure it out together. We're not alone anymore. And this is deeply embedded in scripture, in our theology of God in the church and what it's meant to be. And that's why it informs our DNA here at the church. We have a discipleship pathway and this discipleship pathway, I just want to remind you, here's, here's kind of what we believe those steps are. As we put this up for you, this pathway is one, we connect with God and with others in our weekend services. Again, if we know who's with us, we can face any valley and see victory, amen? Secondly, we grow with God and with others in our discipleship relationships, This would be the classes and the groups and the things that we attend during the week, the things that happen in our homes and in our workplaces. And then we serve with God and with others at Pathway, and you better believe beyond these four walls, amen? With God and with others. We have nothing to fear. That should give us some comfort, and that's, in fact, what he's saying is in this text that there is a God who is with us. Psalm 23, 4 again says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are, say it with me, with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So God is a God who leads us as we face our fears. I was looking up recently in Psychology Today, what are the top seven fears in America right now? Uh, this is, you know, just to maybe say, hey, you might be like me and see a few of these on here that you can relate to. Uh, Here's the first, change. I was surprised by that. That one of the top fears in America is change. God never changes, but he's constantly on the move. So things will change as God moves, amen? Secondly, loneliness. Third, failure. Fourth, rejection. And I'll just tell you, that one, that one is one that 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 18-year-old kid I shared, that picture, you know, I dealt with and was so afraid of rejection, so bound by the approval of people and rejection for so many years. That's a fear I can really relate to. Here's the fifth one. It's uh, uncertainty. And there's been a lot of uncertainty in our world over the last year, hasn't there? The sixth one, something bad happening. Hello. And number seven, getting hurt. These are the top seven fears, and and you know which one or two are holding you back. Because here's the thing. It says, I will fear no evil. You see, God may, may walk us through valleys where there's things around us that are worth maybe fearing, but we follow God and we do it afraid. We don't fear the evil because we know God's working and will bring us through it for his purposes. Amen? And so as you think about this, this idea, what helps us to fear no evil? Well, it's this reality that God leads us, protects us, and he's always with us. And so I want to show you just three things really quickly that 
that hopefully can help you as you think about, okay, if God's with me, how do I face my fears? How do I face the, the fear of evil or the things against me? The first is, is this. The first step in, in, in what we see in Scripture is what helps us to fear no evil is to receive Jesus' rescue. That, that in fact, we can't do it alone. That, that we can't do it without a good shepherd. That's the whole point. And, and Jesus, in fact, in John 10, verses 7 through 9, listen to what he says. He says this, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus steps into our messy world, into our valleys, and he says, listen, I want to rescue you. I want, I want to save you from this. Will you receive me? Will you follow me? Only you know what you're doing with your valley and your fears right now. Are you allowing Jesus to be who he wants to be in the middle of it? Or are you hiding and trying to, or are you maybe not even hiding, maybe you're trying to muscle up and get through it on your own? Part of facing and fearing no evil is receiving what Jesus has for us. He's not just a good shepherd. He is a warrior king who has put Satan solidly under his feet. He has all authority, Scripture says. And he is able to overcome all evil. He is there for our rescue, church. Secondly, is to recognize the lies and the, t the slide here says 1 Peter 2.8. Should be 1 Peter 5.8. That's on me, not our tech team. Let's give our tech team a hand. They're amazing. Um, that's a typo on my end. Here's what 1 Peter 5.8 says. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. There is a roar lies that the enemy will feed you and I. Sometimes that's in our mind. Sometimes that's coming at us from inputs in the world that we're listening to. Could be the things we're seeing in the news or social media. If we're feeding on those things more than we're feeding on God and his word, we are going to experience more fear. And so we need to recognize the lies and be aware of them. Worship is an incredible weapon against these lies. When we think about the roar of the enemy, there is a God that says, as you worship me, we're going to soar above that roar. That in fact, as we worship him by receiving his word, by worshiping in spirit and truth, he lifts us beyond the lies because he begins replacing those lies with truth. And this is so important because some of us, statistically, I was looking this up this week, many, many Americans, adults and youth, have had increasing levels of anxiety and depression pre-COVID, but also during COVID in the last year. 
And do you know that suicidal ideation, thoughts of suicide, which would be the ultimate lie of an enemy that's out to destroy us in a valley, that those thoughts have risen statistically over the last year, especially among youth. Church, I don't want us to be afraid of being real. I don't want us to be afraid of being authentic. I don't want us to, to submit to lies of the enemy because we're too ashamed to say to one another that I'm hurting and I'm having thoughts I don't know what to do with. Church, I want to free us to be able to love one another and to say, hey, you know what? That kid you saw in that picture at 18, he had struggled for eight years with suicidal thoughts and told nobody because he was too ashamed and too afraid. The enemy of my soul almost took me out at age 18. I was so dark and so lost. I was buying into a lie. And we, as a church, will move forward together with God saying, we will not allow lies to get in the way. Some of you, adults and adolescents, have lies that have filled your head and heart. And I just want to encourage you to receive Jesus' rescue and to let us know so we can help. You have a pastoral team here at this church that loves each and every one of you and is here and available. We have counselors in the church. We have other leaders. We have people. I do not want anyone to be ashamed to step forward and say, I need help. This will be a hospital for healing. And so we need to recognize the lies and recognize that, and, and this is what I was praying and thinking about this morning, I'm just gonna, that we don't stigmatize these things any longer, but begin to normalize them enough that we can get help and get healthy. Amen? So recognize the lies. Third is resist and replace. And this is what I love about scripture is again, Jesus has the authority and in the book of James, we see that when we replace the lies with grace, when we replace them with truth, it is an act of resistance that tells Satan, get away, and scripture says he will flee. Here's what it says, James 4, verse 6 through 8. But he gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist, say resist. Resist the devil. So you resist the lies. You resist the enemy of your soul. And it says he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Woo! Right? Just being able to say we have moments of navigating double-mindedness as a starting point that we then confess, we bring to the Lord, and we say, God, I need your help. So we replace lies with grace and truth. The last bit of verse four says this. It says, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so the third thing with comfort food today, Jesus turns destructive dead ends into doorways to higher ground. 
That in fact, what the enemy meant to destroy us, a valley that was there, that he provided a lie and a fear and wants to keep us, that our God uses those to elevate us to higher ground. As I mentioned earlier, shepherds did that. They would use the valley to lead the sheep to higher ground. It's a part of the road trip. And so it becomes a doorway to a deeper place of dependency and to a higher ground with our God. And it says here that the tools of the trade, the rod and the staff, we learn that these are things that are meant to actually set in motion a peace, not a panic. That they're meant to foster peace in our lives. Roger Ellsworth says this about the rod and the staff. He said, the sight of those instruments causes David to realize that he has absolutely nothing to fear. His shepherd is there to kill the enemies of fear, doubt, and guilt and to guide him safely through. The same Lord who has shepherded him through life would shepherd him through death. Let me show you a picture of the rod and staff. These are actually, it's a, it's a cartoon kind of illustration, but it gives you an idea of what these tools look like. The rod would actually be kind of near the, the shepherd's side. It was shorter, it was smaller, it was designed to fit their hand perfectly. It was used for three basic purposes. It was a weapon to protect from a predator. It was used as they came into the gate to count. It was also used to pull apart their wool, to actually examine them. The rod was something that for David, he understood, symbolized, I'm comforted by the fact that you have that, that you are a God who sees me, knows what I've been through, and is here to protect me. Can I get an amen? amen. It also then, with the staff, is what we're used to picturing with shepherds. This was used to guide them, to keep them. There was a crook there. If they fell, it could be used to pick them up by the the neck, you ever felt like God's picked you up from something? And he says it comforts him because he knows that when he gets off the path, the shepherd would help pull him back on or pull him up. This is who God wants to be in our life. Who Jesus is there to be is this good shepherd. And, and when we understand these tools, they, they create peace, not panic, because they're there to guide and to comfort us. It's actually a gentleman, Philip Keller, that wrote a classic about the way of the shepherd. And, and he wrote about this passage. And he had extensive time in, in, uh, in, in the Middle East and saw shepherding firsthand. It's interesting because in there he, he equates the rod to God's word, which is also living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, is there to help protect us. And then he talks about the spirit, the Holy Spirit actually being like the shepherd's staff to guide and to comfort us. See, while the shepherd had, has the rod and the staff, our God has given us his word and the Holy Spirit with us to help guide and to comfort and to lead us. And I'm excited about what God has, not because I don't believe that there's not valleys we're going through and valleys ahead, but because I know God is with us. And we, if we are together and unified and walking with him and each other, God is going to take us into a new season. A season where we see breakthrough and blessing, where we see the kingdom of God advancing and moving, not just in these four walls, but through these four walls. 
Our God is ready and able. And the question becomes, are we ready to follow him? Notice what Jesus says to close here in John chapter 10. In verse 10 through 14, he says, The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and life abundantly. So as we follow him, as we walk with him, as he's our comfort, he's guiding and protecting and leading us because he has life abundantly. Verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the shepherd and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. But he flees because he is a hired hand, verse 13, and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus declares confidently and definitively in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Jesus is all that and a bag of chips. He literally is everything we need for the journey. Some of us, as we think about where God is leading right now, have some things that we need to bring to him. Some things maybe that we've been holding on to, maybe have been hiding. Maybe we're walking through a valley or, or maybe we're on a mountaintop right now and God's saying, hey, you've been through something. Don't hide it. Share it with your brothers and sisters that are in the valley so you can help encourage them. So let me ask you three next step questions. I believe one of these, if not all, will speak to you. The first is, will you invite Jesus into your real life, your real life, what's really going on in your head and heart? Will you invite Jesus into that today, even if it is a valley? Religion sometimes tells us that we have to clean ourselves up first. A relationship with the Lord is the exact opposite. You come to Jesus and he does the cleaning up. He does the fixing. He does what we can't do. <laughs> Secondly, will you focus more on who is with you than who is against you? And if you have been in isolation, let me invite you out today to say, don't do it alone anymore. That's one of the primary weapons of the enemy is to try to isolate us. Come out of isolation. Get into relationship with God and with others. He is ready for you. Then you can focus more on who's with you than who's against you. And then thirdly, will you reach out for help and let God begin to comfort you? Some of you are hurting. Some of you are dealing with things. And we want to encourage you, reach out for help. Let God comfort you today. I'm going to pray for us into a time of response. Song we're going to sing is a new one about God as a refiner. When we go through valleys, God is refining us. He is our comfort food. He is the one we need. And I just want to make sure that church speak, Christianese doesn't get in the way. Some of you are like, uh-oh, what's he about to do? We say things around church sometimes that some of you are like, what are they talking about? Maybe you didn't grow up in the church, you haven't been around it very long, or you haven't really understood what it meant. So oftentimes on Sundays, I'll, I'll say, hey, if you're ready, 
to not just stand and worship, but to come forward to the altars. Let me explain to you what that means. On either side here, we've just created a space. There's a kneeling bench where you can kneel and pray. There's a prayer team that'll be available. In the Bible, an altar was a place you would come and lay down a sacrifice. You would let go. You would worship God. That's all it is. There's a space created to meet with God. And there's some others there to pray with you. It's not to be afraid of or ashamed of. It's hopefully for some of us to become a place where we meet with God. And God says, I'm with you. Let's pray together and let's respond to the Lord, whether that's at the altar, whether that's online, or whether that's right in our seat. Father, we love you and praise you and we thank you, Jesus, for what you are doing. God, we believe that right now you are here in this moment and with us and you're redefining some of the things that we may be going through. I thank you, Jesus, that you are a rescuer that you are the one that replaces the lies with truth, that we can follow you and be comforted. So be fully present right now, Lord, as we respond, I pray for your spirit to move, whether it's in the chairs, whether it's as we're standing and singing, or whether it's at the altars. This is your moment. And God, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship him together. The altars are open. You can come forward. We would love to pray with you.
Father, we love you. 
and we are just in awe of who you are. Thank you for being a good shepherd. And Lord, may you continue to guide us, direct us. May we be a people that follow you boldly by faith, loving you and loving all people in our pathway, sharing you with the world around us. Father, I pray for those that are hurting today, those that are broken, to find hope and healing, to find refreshing in you today, to know that they're not alone, that you're inviting them to walk with you and to walk with us. God, we thank you. Thank you for an awesome, awesome day together. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Hey, as you get ready to go, two, two things, three things. If you're new, visitors, please come out to our Welcome Center. We'd love to welcome you. If there's still something on your mind or heart that you need prayer for, we'll stay up here and available. And remember, there's some real comfort food, some cake in the cafe. Let's go love on our graduates. Amen. Have a great week. Go now and be the church.